Thursday, April 26th. This is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Jason Moser, from Motley Fool Special Ops Mike Olson, and from Motley Fool Inside Value Joe Mager. Gentlemen, happy Thursday. Earnings Palooza continues. It is day four of of Earnings Palooza. Uh, We will dig into the energy industry with ExxonMobil's earnings and the latest fund involving Chesapeake CEO Aubrey McClendon. But we are going to start in the beverage industry. Pepsi's first quarter profits down slightly from a year ago, but that was better than analysts were expecting. Joe? I'll start with you. What's what's the headline for Pepsi? No big curveballs here. The market got thrown off because sales have been juiced a little bit before from acquisitions, and this time they didn't have that tailwind. On an organic basis, I thought it was just fine. They got squeezed on cost a little bit, and they spent more on marketing, which is a good thing. Uh, Coke has been outspending them on a percentage of sales almost two to one over the past several years, and Pepsi needs to turn that around, and the way to do that is actually spending the cash to make it happen. So, you know, a good quarter as far as I'm concerned, but it is a bit of a three to five year story. Jason? Yeah, I think we were talking about the marketing spend for companies like Coca-Cola and Pepsi and whatnot around the Christmas time with the polar bear commercials for Coca-Cola and thinking, do they really need to do that kind yeah. of stuff anymore? And I think really that's, you know, it's a testament to yes, that they do, because even though the brands resonate so well, even on a global basis, that you have to really kind of help perpetuate that. And so to see them, you know, spend up a little bit more marketing, I think it's encouraging for them. Right, which highlights, I think, an interesting point from in terms of the long-term perspective, which is that you know, this isn't really about what a quarter looks like or what the pricing is on uh, on a single quarter basis, but there is a huge opportunity in the snack food business in, in emerging markets. Their, their per capita um, penetration is virtually nil. So, is th- I mean, is that the case for investing in shares of Pepsi? Because if you look at over the last one, two, five years, Shares of Coke are beating shares of Pepsi. Is it like if you're if you're investing in Pepsi now? Is it really just betting on the snack food division? What's the better division? I mean, Coke. <laughs> I think it helps. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the snack division really is a total all star, and the beverage division has just been routed by Coke in terms of branding and distribution, and they got a long way to go before they dig themselves out of that. Right, and I I, I do think it's that that's an interesting kind of bullish point actually, and and somewhat counterintuitively on Pepsi, which is that the beverage business has been the one which has stolen all the headlines, but the snack food business also. I mean, it's a behemoth. So over the next five years, if you take into the possibility, take into account the possibility that Pepsi could uh, very likely have a change of leadership with the CEO stepping down in the next five years, the possibility of a spinoff of their snack food division, which would you buy shares of if, if you had to hold them for five years, Coke or Pepsi? Jason? I, I've always been a Coke guy. I don't think anything's really going to change that. I mean, it's it's a bigger company. It's a more profitable company. I think the brand certainly resonates m- just more effectively on a global basis, and um, I think it'll continue to, to outperform. You hear that accent? That's the sound of a, a native Georgian. Good <laughs> southern boy. He, I did move up here from he's Atlanta. Terminally, he's terminally biased. I like Y'all. Pepsi. <laughs> Why? Why? I think there's a great opportunity in the emerging markets, opportunity in the snack food business, possibility of a spinoff, and this idea that I don't think this is necessarily a winner-take-all in the beverage business, and certainly some declines have been priced into the shares, or the idea that they'll continue to lose market share in beverage. Joe Maker, also a 
proud son of Georgia. You going with Coca Cola? Mm-hmm. Always, Chris. Wearing, wearing your Coca Cola t shirt? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I am wearing a Coke t shirt. I am a ridiculous Atlanta and Coca Cola homer. Man, if he called Pepsi, that would have just been really I, fun. I lean Coke 60 40. Uh, it's selling at about a 14% premium to Pepsi shares today, and it's a much higher margin business, better growth runway in emerging markets. But that said, I agree with Mike that there is a big opportunity at home. The snack business with PepsiCo is doing great, I should say. And on marketing, they just need to spend the dollars to make it happen. And when they do that, you are going to see sales start ticking upward in the North American markets. For the first time since 1996, Coca-Cola is splitting its stock two for one. This is subject to a shareholder vote in July. Um, Joe, what does this mean for investors? I mean, you know, I'm a longtime Coke shareholder. Should I be Happy about this, or is this really just about the pizza going from four slices to eight? Just you should be perfectly neutral about this, <laughs> because it doesn't unlock any value whatsoever. Um, in case you're not too familiar with stock splits, essentially people will just own twice as many shares at half the price. Um, the reason companies do this is because it's it's you know, largely makeup, essentially, where the stock gets expensive looking in absolute share price terms. So they cut it in half to make it look cheap again. It has nothing to do with corporate value whatsoever, and it's just makeup. Remember the time when you got that Coke, which was in the tiny bottle, and they actually charged you more money for it? It's kind of what's happening here, actually, because they're actually spending shareholder money in order to effectuate this. It's a relatively small sum in the scheme of Coke. However, why? I don't know. It's not like $75 is such a a psychologically important threshold, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's it's important to note, too, that management did state in in the release that this was why they were doing it. I mean, they wanted to to open this stock up to be more attractive to more investors. And so, I mean, whether it's $75 or $37.50, I mean, I do think there is a psychological barrier there that comes down when people see it at $37. 750 versus 75. So maybe it does initially, you know, open up some interest in the stock itself, but yeah, it doesn't really create any value whatsoever. Yeah, it's very 1950s thinking, so it's kind of <laughs> disappointing they're still doing but it. But it's also important to note too that it's not like Google stock split, okay? So that was like a total power grab. This is not apparently, you know, a power grab. I mean, Google stock split was more than anything, a power grab. So at least we know there's not, at least to date, a nefarious ploy behind well, this. Well, I think we know that Google knows better, or, or <laughs> that knows what is good for you. They've proven that to us. Yeah. Um, so uh, on balance, while this is sort of uh, net neutral to your point, Joe, is is this um, at the very least a slightly bullish sign or at least a sign that management is um, optimistic about the near-term future of the company? I wouldn't read too much into the future out of it. It does say that Coke stock has done incredibly well in the past. And just the fact that it's gotten to this artificial <laughs> level that makes them think it looks expensive is a good sign. And if you're a Coke shareholder, you got to be thrilled with the performance over the last few years. We've had 20 companies in the Dow 30 report earnings. None of them have come in lower than expected until now. ExxonMobil's first quarter profit fell 11% on lower oil and gas production. Shares down slightly this morning. Mike Olson, what, what is the headline for investors? So I think the headline is basically, as, as aforementioned, they came in a little bit light. Profits are down 11%. Part of that owes to the fact that when oil prices cross a certain threshold, they have to split production. They have to give some of it back. That's part of it. Another part of it is basically lower natural gas price realizations, which shouldn't really come as any surprise to anyone. And what? Hey, Jeff, I haven't heard anything about yeah. this. The Motley Fool. I know. Lower natural gas is cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I come down on the end of this being actually a net positive. I think natural gas is wicked cheap right now. And 
they have about 50% of their production in natural gas. And so if you're taking a long-term perspective on this, you like this. You like this because ExxonMobil is the size it is and it can eventually wait out smaller players in the industry? Well, yeah. I mean, they, they've pursued a pretty interesting strategy recently, which is that they haven't curtailed their North American natural gas production where a lot of people have. They've shifted some of it, but they've continued to produce. And the way I see this is basically they're the biggest kid on the playground and they're trying to force everyone out. They will continue to produce and they will basically wait for smaller competitors to become beleaguered and acquire them. Cheap. Sounds like they're the meanest, most conniving <laughs> kid on the playground. And well, biggest. I mean, that's, that, that's part it's and parcel to being big. I mean, they could do it and they can get away with it, too, because, I mean, if you look at the size of Exxon today, no, it maybe doesn't look like necessarily the best growth opportunity like something like Apple. Um, but you also have to remember that Exxon's done a really good job over the past seven or eight years you know, creating more value for shareholders. And they've, they've returned, uh, what, 50 Six billion dollars in dividends and bought back about 170 billion in stock, which has brought their share count down about 23 percent. So, you know, the shares have become a little bit more valuable. And so, even though you may not see something that's going to be like a double from today over time, it really does. It really does build up in value. Speaking of dividends, uh, Exxon Mobil also announced yesterday it is increasing its quarterly dividend by 21 percent, up to 57 cents per share. Joe, we were talking earlier. You you think yeah. this actually is a bullish sign for management? Yeah, stock splits are backward looking, but a dividend increase says that management has a lot of confidence about a company's ability to grow and churn out consistent cash flow in the future. Twenty one percent is a pretty big increase for any company, especially one that's done it for I think it's thirtieth straight year now. It's pretty I, heady. Uh, yeah, I think there's another thing there, which is basically it says something about they're savvy in terms of where they're putting their investment dollars. You aren't going to make as much money going forward investing in oil-based properties as you would have 10 years ago, even five years ago. All the stuff they're putting money into, it's more expensive to pull the stuff from the ground. And so that, to me, on an opportunity cost basis, is a smart move. Uh, last week, we talked about how Chesapeake Energy CEO Aubrey McClendon had used his stake in Chesapeake Wells as collateral for up to $1.1 billion in personal loans that he had taken. Today, Chesapeake Energy announced that plan, known as the Founder Well Participation Program. And by the way, let's just give him an A-plus for you know, branding right there. That's the swap. Yeah. yeah. Um, that plan is coming to an end. It ends on December 31st, 2015. So... What do we think of this? Is this is this a case of better late? That's than a hardcore commitment. I was going to say I was down until you hit that five right there, the twenty fifteen. That's just better late wow. than never. No, we're not. Uh, no, we're not giving. Can I any can I get in here right Absolutely. up front? All right, so I'm a longtime shareholder of this. I have always thought it is cheap on the basis of its assets, but this is just a continuation of an ongoing thing. There's nothing fundamental fundamentally wrong about the loans. It is a disclosure problem. It is a credibility problem. The street is basically looking at McClendon and saying, you're a poker player, and what are you going to pull out next? <laughs> is, is the fact that his first name is Aubrey and not something like Tex? Because I think if he were Tex McClendon... Tex, Rex, yeah. Those. I mean, like a T Boone Pickens, he would he would be me. He would be seen more as like this is a, a gunslinger who plays by his own rules rather than you know a guy who is potentially picking shareholder pockets. Buford, 
Buford, if, you know, yeah. that's that's Sheriff Buford T. Justice. I mean, are you that, are you with me on the the text rebranding? Totally. We're giving that to you, Chesapeake Energy. That one's for free. Um, Joe, you were digging into the uh, the announcement from Chesapeake Energy, um, and it actually, uh, I think there's another wrinkle there, isn't there? Yeah, there's some strong language following the 2015. <laughs> They've committed to negotiate with Aubrey possibly ending that early so they've committed to talk about it committed to talk about they've committed possibly to negotiate. ending it earlier that's eh, pretty that's nice pretty heavy i'll right. send you an email all right so in that spirit um, <laughs> jason moser i'll start with you what, what is something that you are committed to negotiate to end by the end of 2015 some vice of yours in your in your personal life i'll open up the discussions <laughs> uh by 2015 to possibly curtail my Diet Coke intake on a daily basis from the seemingly eight to ten cans to maybe eight to ten cans maybe I'm maybe I'm going a little bit too far with that but I guess <laughs> if you tack in the sweet tea there the caffeine on a total total per day basis is up there but I'm worried I'm, about your stomach I'm open to discussions Forget but I'm not hard. making any commitments past that okay that's that's very much in the spirit of Chesapeake energy and how they operate Mike Olson what about you uh so Anybody who knows me knows that I have a bit of a lead foot. It's actually not me. It's the car. It's traffic. It's people. Washington, D.C. area, horrible for traffic. And I'm committed to contemplating stopping speeding. Just in terms of -of out-of-pocket expenses, possibly in the form of speeding tickets, what would you ballpark that number being at over the last five years? I would put it in the not insubstantial place. (laughs) I think we might need to talk about getting Mikey a Prius. I think the the car could be part well, of the problem. Well, that's part of the thing, where, and that's why I'm committed to contemplating, because we got the calf standards coming in, and it's going to be hard to find a car that I can really drive fast or harder, and I'm concerned about that, actually. <laughs> Joe Mager? I'm open to noodling over whether to cut back on my red meat consumption from about seven days a week to six. Seven days a week? Now, didn't refresh you my memory. fish in there one day? Isn't, isn't your... A lovely new bride, isn't she a uh, vegetarian? Pescatarian. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, pescatarian. It's involved some serious <laughs> diet changes. <laughs> I was going to say, what I've heard so far, I'm betting on Joe because I, I'm just seeing that play out with his wife. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm with Jason. Between the amount of coffee I drink and the amount of Diet Coke I drink, it's not, I don't drink Diet Coke on the level that Jason does. But when you combine the coffee and Diet Coke, I'm committed to thinking about possibly reducing by single-digit percentage points the amount of caffeine I take into my body on a daily basis. Strong commitment. Strong commitment. I appreciate that. Mike Olson, Jason Moser, Joe Maker. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank Thank you. As always, always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you on Monday.